welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy. I've written about red light therapy before and how it supports the body and even helps skin look more supple and youthful. Juve is part of my daily routine, and I love that during this relaxing 20-minute ritual, I'm getting a mood boost while supporting collagen and elastin production, improving fat metabolism, assisting with the body's detoxification reactions, and boosting cellular energy. Here's how it does all of that. Just like plants convert light energy into chemical energy via photosynthesis, our bodies have the ability to metabolize red and near-infrared light into a form of cellular energy, adenosine triphosphate, also called ATP, that's essential for restoring, repairing, energizing, and maintaining our bodies. I have and use a combination juve light, which has two wavelengths for double the benefits. 660 nanometers for red light and 850 nanometers for near infrared light. Both were chosen because the majority of the scientific literature centers on their benefits and you can get them separately or together. The 660 nanometer range is better for collagen production and other skin benefits, while the 850 is better for deep tissue issues like muscle recovery, joint discomfort, that kind of stuff. They now have a Juve Go, which is just as powerful as the larger Juve devices, but it fits in the palm of your hand. This smaller, less expensive model can even travel with you for a quick collagen boost for your face or inflammation support in a sore joint. To learn more and get your own Juve Light, go to juve.com forward slash wellness mama and they'll also send along a special gift. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is brought to you by SteadyMD. This company combines the cutting edge of medical knowledge with the personal touch of concierge medicine. It's truly like having the best doctors in the country as your personal old school come to your house type doctor. And here's what I mean. When you sign up, you are connected with a value aligned doctor who learns your medical history and your family's medical history, as well as any current issues you're struggling with, any health goals that you have, and your preferences about things like conventional versus natural medicine, even your genetics if you have that data. Then you can connect with your doctor who knows your history anytime you need him or her via phone, video chat, or as I often do, via text to ask questions or to get advice on most issues. And they can even prescribe most things long distance. So they save those trips of running to urgent care or to the doctor late at night or on the weekend that are often so expensive. With all the technology we have today, this is my favorite way to interact with my doctor now. Think about it, we can order everything else from our phones, we get everything delivered to our houses, and now we can interact with our doctors in the same way without having to go wait hours in an office. As an example, I ordered an inexpensive digital otoscope and I have been able to literally send my doctor an instant video of my kid's eardrum to see if she had an ear infection before. My doctor understands that while I do think conventional medicine is life-saving and important, I prefer to use natural remedies when possible and when more advanced things are not needed, and I prefer to avoid antibiotics unless truly necessary. I can trust that my doctor is never going to push a treatment that isn't necessary and his first response is not antibiotics. In fact, he's given me natural remedy advice most of the time over suggesting conventional medicine, and he shares my stance on not overusing antibiotics or pain medicine to reduce fevers. Truly, it's been an amazing experience to have my doctor in my pocket, and you can learn more and see if it's a fit for you by going to steadymd.com forward slash wellnessmama. Again, that's steady, S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D.com forward slash wellnessmama.
Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and today I have the pleasure of talking to a friend and someone I highly respect to go deep on things like ethical business, how we can all help change the future for good, and predictions on the future of access to high quality food and natural products. I'm here with Nick Green, who is the co-founder and CEO of Thrive Market. Many of you are familiar with Thrive, which is a membership-based market that makes high-quality, healthy, sustainable products available for every budget and lifestyle. We'll talk about it more, but basically for $60 a year, similar to a Costco membership, members get to unlock wholesale prices on all kinds of natural and organic products. But what you may not know is that Thrive matches every paid membership with a free membership for a family or individual in need. They also have some giving initiatives that we're going to talk about and a very deep dedication to helping families and communities. And this is one of the many reasons I'm so grateful for Nick. And this isn't the first company that Nick's had that's worked to make the world better. He's a serial social impact entrepreneur. He's had other companies in the education space and helped over 20,000 students get into better colleges. Outside of work, he loves to travel, invest, read, and spend time with his wife and adorable one-year-old daughter. Nick, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks, Katie. I am so excited to be here. Oh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And a lot of my listeners already know that I have been a member of Thrive since the very beginning and an investor. Um, In fact, I was so passionate when I first heard about what you guys were doing that we were really excited for the chance to invest in Thrive. But now I also feel like there's so much more to Thrive Market than just amazing prices on natural products. And I would love to go through some of the many ways that Thrive is working to improve the whole natural landscape in our country and access to real food. I'd love to do that. And and before we do, I do want to just say a huge thank you. Um, I think you downplayed your role as an investor, but you were actually one of the first checks to come into Thrive at a time when we were uh, actually being rejected by almost every venture capitalist and institutional investor that we pitched. Um, so, you know, little known story, but Thrive before we got big and hit half a million members and, you know, really sort of getting towards our mission of making healthy living accessible for all, uh, we were struggling to fundraise. And it was only because of folks like yourself who believed in the mission and aligned to the vision and were willing to get behind us that we got off the ground in the first place. So thank you, Katie. Oh, thanks. I'm, it was exciting and I'm so glad to have been a part of it. And especially now seeing all of the changes and the beneficial things that are happening as a result of you guys and your growth. And one thing I think that really separates Thrive from just other online retailers is the membership model because it's often, especially online compared to Costco, which I think is an interesting comparison. Um, you probably would know this better than I would, but the stats I've seen indicate that Costco is going to surpass Whole Foods as the largest retailer of organic produce, or maybe that's already happened. It has. Yeah, it has. Wow. Okay. And I've also seen that Costco does more sales per store in that category than Walmart, which has 15 times the SKUs. So um, can you talk about why you guys chose to go in the membership direction and then kind of how that separates you guys from other online retailers? Absolutely. And you know, there's a whole digression I could go down about how fascinating and successful the Costco business model has been. And if you look at them as a business in terms of their values and their principles and their just um, kind of consistency to what they've always set out to do and the kind of value they try to deliver to their members, um, they're just a total touchstone on a ton of levels for us. But, you know, the real reason why we went to membership came down fundamentally to our mission, which is to make healthy living affordable to anybody and accessible to anybody. And when Gunnar and I, uh, my co-founder Gunnar, uh, we're sitting at the very early days of the business. 
the initial idea was we were going to create a Groupon for healthy food. So we actually were going to have group buying events where you signed up, we pooled uh, money together, and then bought through a wholesale account to the best organic and natural brands in the country. And that was the way that we were going to get wholesale pricing that then was you know, 25 to 50% off retail uh, and ideally get the, to get the organic products at or below the conventional equivalent. Um, what we found is that trying to get people to shop at their groceries and events and have you know, different groceries coming at different times uh, based on when different events were running was just a logistical nightmare uh, when we started to test it. Um, and so we were looking for another model that could work. And we landed on the membership model because when you do the membership model, the business can make profit from a membership and then pass on the full savings uh, to the members on the actual product prices. So it was the only model we found where we could create a stable catalog of the best organic and natural products, uh, work with the top uh, brands to source them uh, and offer them at prices uh, where we didn't have to make any, uh, any margin, um, but could pass on the savings directly to members and offer a kind bar for the price of a Snickers bar, a non-toxic laundry detergent for the price of Tide, and for the first time, uh, make this lifestyle accessible to anyone. So that was the genesis of it. And you know, when we launched, I remember there was an article, uh, and I think it was in Well and Good, the day that we went live that said, if, if Whole Foods and Costco had a baby, it would be Thrive Market. And we had never thought about that comparison, but it sort of stuck. And a lot of us say we're you know, Whole Foods meets Costco online. Um, though increasingly they're saying it's Whole Foods meets Costco meets Trader Joe's, which is a whole nother, whole nother conversation. I love that. I think that's another good comparison, especially with um, the new Thrive line of products, which I was going to bring up later, but I feel like this is a great time to jump into that because um, Trader Joe's is known for its own very budget-friendly, high-quality products, and you guys have now a whole initiative of Thrive-specific products. So can you talk about that and kind of the categories you guys carry now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that really went back to the mission as well. You know, when we launched, it was all third-party branded products, and there's so many incredible brands doing amazing innovation on quality standards and supply chain and ethical you know, labor standards and environmental sustainability. It was just totally inspiring to start to work with those brands and really amazing too, to see how aligned they were with wanting to make their products accessible. You know, one of the pushbacks that we got from early would be investors, especially kind of VCs and institutional investors is, you know, brands aren't going to want to do that. They don't want to dilute their brand. And I think in some spaces that's the case, but in ours, uh, you really had these organic brands that cared about the mission themselves, were driven by as mission uh, mission driven entrepreneurs themselves, and were only too excited to get on board with us and give us great pricing. So for the first couple of years of the business, we didn't do anything with our own brand. Uh, and then what we started to find was, uh, you know, the landscape changes so fast, and there's so much uh, new information coming out about what is healthy. And what are problems in the existing supply chains and what are improvements that can be had in terms of sustainability of product sourcing and what are new ingredients that are, we're finding new health benefits towards that uh, we, we really saw an opportunity from our members and from uh, folks like you who are on kind of the bleeding edge of those trends to go out and create products that were innovating in some way. And so we kind of think of a barbell approach in our, in our own brand program where sometimes we're actually going after like a staple product that we feel like we can increase the quality on. So an example of that would be, you know, our, our line of nut butters where a typical nut butter that you find, even an organic uh, almond butter or peanut butter or cashew butter is going to have salt. It might have sugar. 
and it's usually going to have palm oil. And we, uh, we went and we created a line of nut butters that is only the nut. Um, we did the same thing with, with nut milks. So took out the emulsifiers, the additives, um, the stabilizers and things. Um, and then the other side of the program has really been going out and trying to launch products that really don't exist in the market anywhere or maybe exist in the market, but haven't, haven't caught on in a big way and be at the beginning of a trend. And, you know, and, uh, one of those that, that comes to mind is like bone broth. Uh, we launched our, uh, our organic grass-fed bone broth very, very early in that trend's movement and helped to really popularize it and, um, and share the benefits of bone broth. And it was a really cool program too, because we actually ended up using the bones from the, one of our third-party brands um, that did beef jerky and was throwing away all their bones. So it was this cool opportunity where we introduced this great new product. It was the highest quality standards in the market on, on, on that particular type of product. And we were able to do whole animal, you know, further whole animal utilization, improve uh, usage in the supply chain, um, and actually have a benefit to one of our third-party branded partners. So, you know, it's been really, really amazing to build out the, the private label program. It's now, I think, about 500 products, um, you know, bridging categories from cooking ingredients to snacks to cleaning products to, to you know, diapers and, and, and baby products. Uh, so it's really become a real core part of our business. And we, you know, want to be that brand similar to Trader Joe's where it's not just, you know, the like compare to brand. Uh, kind of cheaper version of the conventional things you find on the shelf, but really a brand that is out there innovating and standing for something um, that you can trust where, you know, if it's under the Thrive Market brand, it's going to hit um, some really fundamental standards that um, that are important to our members. So it's been really fun to do. And and we see it as really the, the a core part of the future of the business. Yeah, absolutely. I find increasingly more and more of my pantry is Thrive brand products because you guys have like you said, all of the staples I would order, but they're less expensive and the same or better quality than the more pricey brands. Um, plus like all these cool new products that are really innovative. And I love that a lot of your products as well, um, the Thrive Market brand are less waste and less packaging than a lot of other brands. And that's something else I feel like people may not really know about Thrive Market, um, just that they've only shopped on the website, is the commitment you guys have to also sustainability and the environment and the ways that you're working behind the scenes to reduce extra waste and extra packaging. So can you talk about some of the initiatives on that front? Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you're better at selling the, the Thrive Market brand than I am, Katie. I didn't even mention that on the, on the private label side. Packaging innovation is one of the places we see the most opportunity. And when you think about packaging, a lot of it today is legacy. It's kind of the vestige of what was necessary in the you know, 20th century and the 19th century when things were sitting on shelves. Um, so like an example is, is cans, right? We took uh, our baked beans, for example, out of the can and put them in a BPA-free plastic pouch. The creation of that pouch is half the carbon footprint as, as creating uh, tin cans uh, or aluminum cans. It is easier to ship and lighter to ship, so it has less of a carbon footprint in transportation. It's totally BPA-free and it keeps the products fresher. Um, so that's one example of packaging innovation on an actual product. It also, in some cases, we're actually able to bring the cost down on the, on the packaging, which helps us, to your, your other point, get pro our own branded products to be even cheaper. Um, and that's one of the things that drives innovation in that area is you know, sometimes we can find a great quality product from a third-party brand, but even with our member pricing, even without us taking margin, it's still not uh, you know, accessible to some, for some people's budgets. And 
and going private label could be a great way for us to, to make sure that we just take all of the waste out of the system, cut out as many um, of the kind of steps in the supply chain and, and are able to get great pricing. But to go back to your question about packaging uh, and environmental uh, sustainability, you know, we sort of see broadly environmental sustainability as the second of the, our two pillars of our business um, and of our mission. The first is that principle of access, right? How do we make healthy living affordable and easy and accessible to anybody? And then the second is how do we make this entire thing of how we eat and consume products um, truly sustainable? And you know, for us, we often see that those two things go completely hand in hand, that the sustainable and environmentally sound way to make products actually makes a healthier product for people. Uh, we don't think that's just a coincidence. Um, but we also think that more and more people are thinking about health more holistically, not just in terms of the health for themselves and the family, but actually caring in its own right about the health of the planet. And, you know, I think at this point, it's pretty hard to ignore what's happening with climate change. Um, you know, here in Southern California, we just had uh, in the last three years, two of the most devastating fires of the last two centuries. And, you know, for the first time uh, a few months ago, you actually had massive forest fires that were coming within a few miles of, of, uh, of Los Angeles um, down in Malibu. You know, this is stuff that is really, really, really scary. And you've got different versions of those kind of climactic events happening on the East Coast. And in some cases, even more dramatic climactic events, events happening around the world. So, you know, we, we've see, we see and we hear from our members that they care about those issues. For us, we care about them deeply our, 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 ourselves. And so I think our members demand it and we believe in it. It's just a no-brainer to in every place where we possibly can uh, be working to um, do things more sustainably. So that, you know, that starts with the packaging of the products wherever we can, being recyclable, looking for compostable bags, uh, pushing our suppliers to have more offerings uh, in, in that respect, co-packers, co-manufacturers, et cetera. Uh, it then extends to the actual boxes and packaging materials that we use when we send out product. So, you know, if you place an order on Amazon, you get like the bubble wrap and stuff. We use a 100% post-consumer recycled Giami wrap that actually uses air and paper to get that same effect, but without having the, the, the virgin plastic utilization. Uh, we're now at about 98% uh, virgin plastic free uh, in the box and working to get to 100%. Um, another area that we've really tried to innovate is on um, the actual fulfillment centers themselves. And a lot of people don't think about this, but when you order products uh, through e-commerce, it's coming out of a big warehouse somewhere. And those warehouses can be really, really, really wasteful. Um, they've got a lot of packaging that's being dumped out. Um, and then they also have um, a lot of energy utilization. So we've actually gone zero waste in both of our fulfillment centers um, did a bunch of capital improvements to do things like cardboard balers that can recycle all the, the extraneous packaging. Um, we've got uh, huge open windows uh, that we installed on the tops of our fulfillment centers so that we can use natural light. Uh, one of the fulfillment centers is actually Leeds Gold certified. And when we went through that whole program of going to zero waste, we actually documented it uh, in order to create a template that we could, you know, quote unquote, open source to other businesses and one of our big goals uh, on environmental sustainability is to show that you can do it in a way that actually is good for your business. Um, we actually, believe it or not, are saving money every year now that we've gone, gone zero waste. And when we look at the return on investment of some of those investments we've made, it pens out and can be approved by a board or by a, 
investor, even if it were just on the merits of the investment. So, you know, we love when we can find that opportunity to bridge business interest and uh, and the and the mission. Um, and then if we can prove that to others, we think we can motivate other businesses that may not be starting with the mission to do it because it's just the right thing for their business. Um, there's tons of other examples. You know, we we buy uh, carbon offsets to neutralize our sh- our shipping footprint, our carbon footprint on all of our shipping. Um, unlike a lot of other e-commerce companies that will ship, you know, one item, two items, three items, and they come from different fulfillment centers and, you know, you place an order on Amazon and over the next five days, you're getting like boxes from a bunch of different places. Uh, we put all of our boxes or all of our items in one box. So you'll, you know, get a single, single box. The average uh, boxes per order is 1.2. So really try to consolidate those orders, um, and just be cognizant of the environment and, you know, again, what we're finding is like one, we would do that anyway because it's the right thing to do. But we are actually getting a lot of credit from our members, and increasingly, we have members who you know maybe could afford to go buy their you know their products at uh, at a grocery store that's more expensive, but they're still coming to thrive because they align with the values uh, and the mission. And I think uh, as consumers become more conscious and as people start to be more holistic in the way they think about health, it's just going to become more and more the case that. Um, companies will have to kind of follow this lead and focus in on sustainability as a core part of a uh, core part of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you guys have that focus. And I think you're so right that we're getting to a point where personal health and environmental health are becoming so entwined that we really do need to focus on both. And I've written so much about, for instance, just plastic use and how we're finding plastic residue under a couple kilometers of ice in the Antarctic, which means our planet is saturated. So steps like reducing almost all of your virgin plastic use, that's a huge step. And something I often say with my readers and listeners is, while all of us obviously as families and individuals and in our communities need to start taking all of these steps to improve the environment and to improve our own health, we also need companies like you guys, ethical companies that are doing this at scale. Because if I just choose to buy organic and to reduce waste, that's a pretty small ripple. But when a company like you guys with, like you said, half a million members does that, the ripples are much bigger, much faster. And having been in the Thrive office a few times, I just I was so excited to get you on here to talk about that because I felt like there were so many things that you guys do that go unrecognized um, that are just there to help communities and help the environment and help families. And you guys have this whole wing also called Thrive Gives. And I'd love for you to talk about that because I know there's many aspects to what you do for families and communities, both with free memberships for low-income families and for sending aid. Um, when we got hit with a hurricane down here where I live, you guys sent aid to our area. So can you talk about some of the initiatives through Thrive Gives as well? Definitely, definitely. And, and before I do, I just want to underscore the point that you made about um, just the ability of each individual to vote with their dollars and support businesses that are doing the right thing. And as I said, you know, not every business starts with the mission the way that we do, but every business does the ROI analysis. And if as consumers, we choose to vote with our dollars at the, at the brands and the businesses that are doing the right thing, uh, eventually all businesses will, will do more of the right thing. And yeah, and it may it may sound naive and optimistic, but even in the four years since we've started Thrive, like we see more and more businesses that are stepping up, and you know we can make a lot of direct impact ourselves by di- by doing what we're doing. But if we can set an example for more businesses to be taking that step, I mean that's the that's the Nirvana uh, state. That's where we can start to 
really have an impact on the problem. And uh, ultimately, it's consumers that are going to drive that. It's, it's, it's folks at home that are choosing to support, um, support businesses that do good. So on the Thrive Give side, I would put that over on the first column of our mission around access. And for us was just like sort of a no brainer. I know if we start with the principle that we want healthy living to be easy and accessible with everyone, and then we realize that the mechanism to do that is membership, the very next thing we realized is, well, for people that are really struggling financially, uh, even membership may not be affordable. So, you know, the typical Thrive Market model is you pay that $60 a year, similar to Costco, and you get all your products at 25 to 50% off and, you know, even more in many cases on the private label products. And so our typical member will make back that membership fee in one, two purchases, and many will make, make it back multiple times over over the course of the year. But for the lowest, uh, lowest income earners in our country, uh, even that $60 upfront investment can be really challenging. So we said, look, let's, let's do kind of a price discrimination exercise, if you will, which is what we what you call it in economics. But there's no harm to us as a business if we can give away these memberships for free to those people that really need it and who may not be, who wouldn't be buying a membership anyway. Let's also match that with our members who are coming on on a, on a paid basis. Um, and the commitment that we made was every paid membership, we're going to give away a membership for free. Um, and the I think one unique thing about that model for us is that because giving away the membership for free didn't actually cost us anything, we were able to lean into the program a lot more heavily than a lot of these one-for-one programs that you hear about. Um, and we were able to innovate them from there on how can we not only give away these memberships, but make sure that they actually get used. So the Thrive Gives program is, has been really successful. Uh, we give away memberships to uh, low-income families, to students, to teachers, to first responders, and to veterans. So if you're listening and you fit into any of those categories, you can go to uh, the Thrive Gives uh, application and actually apply and receive a, a free membership. Um, but then we have gone further and we actually created a program that we call Spread the Health. Um, and that was the program where we funded or have funded hurricane and disaster relief, uh, the fires that I was mentioning earlier, um, both the you know, Woolsey fires up north as well as the fires here in Southern California. Uh, we help thousands of families. Um, and the way that that program has worked is that we actually enable our members to donate at checkout a portion of their savings. So when you check out a Thrive Market, let's say you buy $60 a product, you know, you're saving $20, $25. Um, you can just click a box and, and easily donate however much you want. And, you know, some people will donate quite a bit. Some people donate very little um, and some don't at all. Um, but we've compared our statistics to other, um, to other uh, point of purchase donation platforms and we see about four times the rate of donation, which is just a testament to how much our members really care. Um, and in the last year, we raised about a million dollars that way. And so what we've done with that budget is channeled it towards giving away credits to Gives members who have gotten a free membership but need to help uh, another kind of boost to start buying the products and then funding specific relief efforts for, it was, you know, I guess a disaster relief. Uh, we did something down at the border uh, when there was the uh, families and children that were detained, so sent supplies down uh, down there and continued those efforts. Um, we did uh, stuff around Standing Rock a couple of years ago when there were protesters uh, at Standing Rock and they needed supplies. Um, so we sort of pick issues and, and uh, situations where there's people that really need uh, healthy food 
Um, and then we push free memberships to them plus the, plus the supplies. Um, and then we actually document what we've done so that we can share it back with our members. And you know, the goal is to create a model where members feel like they're participating in doing good, um, where they get to see where their dollars are going. Um, and where we as a community are standing up for our values, um, you know, as a, as a, as a, not just a business, but really as a membership community. And it's been really amazing and heartening to see the rates of donation and the enthusiasm that our members have. It's also been incredible to see other businesses get on board when we've led some of these efforts and then you know, do donation matching with us and uh, work with us with some of the charitable partners that we work with. You know, one, one partner that we work really heavy, heavily with here in LA is called Baby to Baby. And historically, they've provided diapers to single moms uh, who are homeless. Um, and this is a huge need where you have you know, moms in bus stations that are having to chain, you know, use a disposable diaper multiple times and wash it in a, in a sink in a public restroom. But what they didn't have, they were doing this great work on the diaper side. What they didn't have is, is snacks and healthy food for these moms. So, you know, we worked with them and then there were other local businesses that got involved. And so the part that has, has really, you know, been heartening for me on the, on the give side specifically and the spread the health side is the way, you know, our community has been able to be a catalyst for, more and more giving and for other businesses recognizing that it's that it's the right thing to do so you know, similar to the sustainability stuff i feel like we can be that wave that really starts the movement um and it's you know it's it's our members who are really driving it i love that it's been as a member myself exciting to see all to see how that's grown in the last couple of years and just all of the people that have been reached through those efforts and to circle back to your point about the first pillar about making healthy living accessible and easy to everyone i'd love to touch on food deserts a little bit because i know this was um, one of the things you guys were really trying to tackle when you first founded thrive and something i feel like you largely have been able to tackle in the us um, but kind of explaining what that concept is for those who aren't familiar because i've heard from some listeners and readers especially those in places like la who kind of are like, I don't understand the need for something like this. I can just go to Whole Foods. And I've had to explain, you know, places where I've lived, I was over an hour from the nearest Whole Foods and the local store may be carried for organic things. Um, and there are places in the U.S. still that really don't have access to these kind of natural products. So can you kind of explain that concept of food deserts and, and how you guys wanted to tackle that problem? Absolutely. And, you know, the the mentality that you were just describing or the kind of naivete around this con this concept it's not just um you know regular people um part of the reason that we got uh, rejected over and over and over again by vcs is that these big important important investors who are supposed to be aware of what's going on um they themselves weren't aware of it at all you know that we would have i can't tell you how many times people ask us when we went in to pitch them you know how are you going to compete with whole foods and we had to tell them 60% of Americans don't live within driving distance of a Whole Foods. Um, you know, 97% can't afford the price premiums typically charged for organic products. Um, we are not competing with Whole Foods. And, you know, as it's turned out, we've, we have got a lot of customers who were Whole Foods shoppers who are coming over to Thrive because it's cheaper, more convenient, and they align with the values. Um, but the overwhelming majority of our business is really in these, quote unquote, non-consumption markets. Um, what we call the health food deserts. And, uh, you know, again, again, it's the reason why we didn't end up getting funded by venture capitalists. We got funded by ordinary people in these, in these, in these places who had become sort of activists in their own right for, uh, for healthy food access, right? It was, 
it was bloggers, it was YouTube stars, it was um, you know best-selling authors who were becoming uh, real thought leaders in the movement. Um, you know, it was people like yourself that got in and said, "I see this problem daily uh, in my own community, and I want to make an impact." So it was uh, it was a real struggle for us that people didn't understand it. And to just share a little bit of numbers with the listeners. Our, our membership base is about 50% in the Midwest and the Southeast, uh, which are kind of the traditional under, underserved markets. Um, today, you still have over half of, of Americans that don't live within driving distance of a health food store. And so even if someplace is not technically a food desert, it may st- still be a health food desert. Um, you know, I grew up in the, in, in the Midwest myself. I, I grew up in Minnesota. And in Minneapolis, you've got some great options. But if you get anywhere outside of Minneapolis, um, you really don't. And so, uh, you know, I'll never forget when we um, when we launched. It was probably two or three months after we launched. We uh, and at this at this point, I was still actually doing customer service, uh, and we didn't have any didn't have any people in our, our call center yet. Um, and I remember getting an email from a woman who uh, her order had actually gotten eaten off her doorstep by a bear. She's like, I can't believe it. I just like placed this huge order. I saved so much money, but it was still, you know, it's still, still spent $80 or whatever it was. And now it's all gone. And we ended up sending her uh, another box. And uh, unfortunately the bear didn't eat that one, but it was just this incredible reminder of, um, you know, one, what an impact we were making in her life, but also that like, this is some, like there are a lot of people that live out in places where, uh, you know, there's more bears than there are health food stores. And, um, and so we really want to have an impact on that. The last thing I'll say on, on this topic is one thing that's changed in the last four years since we launched is that there are more and more places, like you mentioned Costco, but it's the same at Kroger, the same at Walmart, kind of your conventional retailers who are, are carrying more and more organic products. And I think in some sense, the problem has shifted a little bit, whereas even four or five years ago, it was, I can't find anything that even claims to hit these standards, right? I go into my conventional grocery store and there's nothing that says organic. I think now actually the challenge has shifted a lot, a little bit for a lot of people in that there actually are nominally organic options. And you see, you know, brands in your conventional grocery store that claim to be healthy. But I think a lot of people are realizing that that's not always the case. So I would say, you know, the, the, the threat three or three or four years ago was really just access to any of these products. I think the threat today is still access for some people. And then I think it's also what I would kind of term as greenwashing where you've got, uh, you know, brands or you've got retailers who are putting product on the shelf that says it is healthy or it's natural uh, or nominally it's organic, but it's really very industrial organic. Uh, And in fact, the health qualities of these products is not always very high. You know, there's sites online where you can buy or, like, a whole assortment of organic cookies, right? Effectively organic Oreos. You know, I don't, I think that's organic in name only. So there's really now, I would say, you got health food deserts. And then I think you have these, um, a real trust phenomenon where even outside of a health food desert, people are pretty overwhelmed with what's actually healthy. What can I actually trust? And so today we actually see one of our challenges is still to reach the health food deserts and then another is to be that place where regardless of where you are, you can come on Thrive and know everything can be trusted. And that we think is maybe the next problem to solve um, besides uh, shipping to the health food deserts. 
That's a great point. Yeah, I think greenwashing has become a huge problem. And there are, like you said, organic alternatives to pretty much every junk food these days. Um, And it's great to know on Thrive, you guys have your values listed on all the packaging. So you can even actually shop by that. So I know I can find things that are organic and gluten-free and whatever criteria I need. Um, So there is that level of trust. I think you're right. I think trust goes a tremendous distance in that. And we've touched on it kind of in a few ways, but I'd love to go a little bit deeper um, with you as the CEO of Thrive and kind of steering the ship that's doing so much social good, but also is a for-profit business, how you balance the social mission and the business side. I've always been a believer that businesses can be very much both profitable and a tremendous force for good. And I know that you feel that way as well. Um, But can you just kind of talk through your own um, values as far as how you balance that? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. And I think that the, you know, the challenge is if your business interests and your mission are in tension, you know, there's always going to be the temptation to prioritize the business. Um, And I think that a lot of businesses that bolt on a social mission after the fact, um, and even some businesses that really do want to commit to the social mission, uh, end up under pressure from you know, shareholders if they're public or investors if they're not, or just the kind of basic factor of human greed to you know cut corners and focus on on self-interest first. And so for us, I think there's been two things that have really, I, I believe, insulated us from that. One is um, we started it for the mission, and the mission actually came first. It wasn't it wasn't put on after the fact, and it didn't even come in like alongside the business. We really designed the business around the mission from day one, and you know you mentioned this at the beginning, but I, I this wasn't my first rodeo. I sold a business um, uh, a few years prior. Uh, Ganar, my co-founder, was in the same place. Sasha, our, our third co-founder, same thing. And so you know we were in a position where we didn't want to start a business just to try to make money. Um, I had a social component to my my last businesses in the education space um, and really working to make access to college easier. And yet we also, you know, there was some dynamic tension because our business made more money when we served more affluent, affluent areas. So I was really determined to make this one mission first and Gunnar felt the exact same way and Sasha did too. And so I think, you know, that being baked into our DNA from the beginning has enabled us when we have to make hard decisions, which we sometimes do to say, Hey, like it's, it's going to be for the mission. Um, the second thing is finding those opportunities or those, the, those like business opportunities where the mission and the and the business opportunity are 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 actually aligned. Where instead of being in dynamic tension, they actually go together, and ideally they're the same thing. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. You know, when we talk about making healthy living accessible, like that is our mission, but it also is our business opportunity, right? If we can make healthy living accessible and affordable to everybody, you know, we're talking about a trillion dollar market for for groceries and for CPG for consumer packaged goods. Um, that's a massive business opportunity. Um, and if we build a multi-billion dollar business doing that, we will have succeeded at our mission. So I think at a really fundamental level, our mission and our and our business mandate go hand in hand. Um, and then within specific areas of our mission, we've looked for opportunities where um, they're not going to be in dynamic tension. Like I said, our, our zero waste fulfillment center actually has been a, a positive ROI investment for us, right? And it's a template now that we're helping to other fulfillments, other other e-commerce companies to do with their fulfillment centers. You know, I think another way that we've started to, to do it uh, is to really think about how can we build the brand around the mission in a way that our customers will, will reward us. And that wasn't something that we intentionally designed early on. 
But what we've seen is that our the members who uh, align with the mission and read about our mission work and in surveys say that they care about that mission work actually turn out to be more loyal customers and stay with us for the long term. And so I think you can make an argument now that because consumers are more and more conscious, doing the right thing for the mission, even if it costs a little more in some instances, will lead to long-term customer, in our case, member loyalty. And so I think we've been really fortunate in the way that we started the business and then fortunate in being able to find specific opportunities within the business. But you know, much more often than not, uh, we have found that that dynamic tension has really kind of not been the case. Yeah, that's such a great point. This podcast is brought to you by Juve Red Light Therapy. I've written about red light therapy before and how it supports the body and even helps skin look more supple and youthful. Juve is part of my daily routine and I love that during this relaxing 20 minute ritual, I'm getting a mood boost while supporting collagen and elastin production, improving fat metabolism, assisting with the body's detoxification reactions and boosting cellular energy. Here's how it does all of that. Just like plants convert light energy into chemical energy via photosynthesis, our bodies have the ability to metabolize red and near-infrared light into a form of cellular energy, adenosine triphosphate, also called ATP, that's essential for restoring, repairing, energizing, and maintaining our bodies. I have and use a combination Juve light, which has two wavelengths for double the benefits. 660 nanometers for red light and 850 nanometers for near infrared light. Both were chosen because the majority of the scientific literature centers on their benefits, and you can get them separately or together. The 660 nanometer range is better for collagen production and other skin benefits, while the 850 is better for deep tissue issues like muscle recovery, joint discomfort, that kind of stuff. They now have a Juve Go, which is just as powerful as the larger Juve devices, but it fits in the palm of your hand. This smaller, less expensive model can even travel with you for a quick collagen boost for your face or inflammation support in a sore joint. To learn more and get your own Juve Light, go to juve.com forward slash wellness mama and they'll also send along a special gift. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash wellness mama. This podcast is brought to you by SteadyMD. This company combines the cutting edge of medical knowledge with the personal touch of concierge medicine. It's truly like having the best doctors in the country as your personal old school come to your house type doctor. And here's what I mean. When you sign up, you are connected with a value aligned doctor who learns your medical history and your family's medical history, as well as any current issues you're struggling with, any health goals that you have, and your preferences about things like conventional versus natural medicine, even your genetics if you have that data. Then you can connect with your doctor who knows your history anytime you need him or her via phone, video chat, or as I often do, via text to ask questions or to get advice on most issues. And they can even prescribe most things long distance. So they save those trips of running to urgent care or to the doctor late at night or on the weekend that are often so expensive. With all the technology we have today, this is my favorite way to interact with my doctor now. Think about it, we can order everything else from our phones, we get everything delivered to our houses, and now we can interact with our doctors in the same way without having to go wait hours in an office. 
As an example, I ordered an inexpensive digital otoscope and I have been able to literally send my doctor an instant video of my kid's eardrum to see if she had an ear infection before. My doctor understands that while I do think conventional medicine is life-saving and important, I prefer to use natural remedies when possible and when more advanced things are not needed, and I prefer to avoid antibiotics unless truly necessary. I can trust that my doctor is never going to push a treatment that isn't necessary and his first response is not antibiotics. In fact, he's given me natural remedy advice most of the time over suggesting conventional medicine, and he shares my stance on not overusing antibiotics or pain medicine to reduce fevers. Truly, it's been an amazing experience to have my doctor in my pocket, and you can learn more and see if it's a fit for you by going to steadymd.com forward slash wellnessmama. Again, that's steady, S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D.com forward slash wellnessmama. And I hope this is okay to talk about in a public forum, but I feel like another amazing aspect of this is that you've taken this even beyond the mission of just thrive as the CEO and in, into a personal direction as well um, as a co-founder of Alliance for Good. Is that okay to talk about here? And if so, can you explain what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I keep, I keep saying it goes back to the mission, but this one does too, right? We, we started the business because we wanted to make healthy living affordable to everyone. We had real challenges early in the business where it didn't look like we were going to succeed. And we ended up being successful because of folks like yourself who came in and supported us very early and then spread the word about Thrive. And, you know, as, as co-founders, one of the distinct experiences I've had it, and throughout my entrepreneurial uh, journey, but especially with this business, is just really being humbled by the way that a community can come together and accomplish so much more than you know, we could individually. And so we really look at what Thrive has become, not as something we've accomplished as founders, but really as this expression of people answering the call to be their best selves and to um, have an impact and to support something that's, that's truly good. And it's built a business that's already become very valuable. You know, we've raised um, now hundreds of millions of dollars at a, at a high valuation, and it's created real wealth for our shareholders and for um, our employees, uh, and also for us. And uh, after we raised our last round of capital, um, Gunnar, Sasha, and I were reflecting on it and just looking at kind of you know why we started the business and the amount of wealth that was being created in the business, and really thinking about where do we want that wealth to go. And if the business was made to to focus on access, why shouldn't we put a portion of that wealth back towards that as well? And so what we did is we formed what we call the Alliance for Good, and we actually took a significant portion of our own shares uh, and moved it into a vehicle that basically commits that money to um, charitable goods. And it was uh, a little over $10 million of total share value that we took from all three of us um, and put into that vehicle. And that was, the, that was the initial genesis of the Alliance for Good, which has now become a platform where we... Um, help other entrepreneurs who are interested in that do the same thing. So sort of similar to what I was describing with the um, fulfillment center, we went zero waste and then we took that template and said, hey, here's how you can do it too. And what we found with the Alliance for Good is there's a lot of entrepreneurs that would like to commit to you know, putting whatever wealth they generate from the business or a portion of that wealth towards the, the reason that they started the business or some other mission that they feel passionately about. And so we realized when we did set it up ourselves, it took a lot of work. We had to create this whole vehicle called the donor advised fund. And there was these fees and it was just like a really legally cumbersome 
to get it all and administratively cumbersome to get it all set up, um, we said, how about we templatize this? And that became the Alliance for Good. So, you know, we do work uh, as co-founders with the funds that we put in. Um, And then the goal ultimately over time is to really create a large pool of capital where entrepreneurs have committed to um, doing good with the wealth that's coming out of their businesses. I love that. And I think it really speaks to the community and family feel of Thrive and the times that I've been there and how every time I think I've been there, there's kids there, there's dogs there, there's a meditation room. You guys really do walk the walk and prioritize that. And I know from our personal conversations that in your own life in the last couple of years, there have been things that have amplified your mission even more in making natural living and real food available widespread, which including especially the birth of your daughter. So I'm curious what ways you're working to impart these values to your daughter and how much that's changed or amplified your mission personally since she was born. That's a really great question. So I guess the first thing I would say um, to your, to your point about being the kind of the community of thrive um, and just to kind of end cap the, the conversation about the Alliance for good I think in all of those things, we're consistently inspired by our members. Like our decision to be generous with what's coming out of Thrive is in part looking at our, our members as an example uh, in their generosity with donate at checkout and spread the health. You know, what we do for families and in our environment here in the Thrive Market Office for our employees is very much looking at what are the values that our members have and what's the way that they're living. Um, and how can we create that same sort of experience for our employees? Um, and for me, that that's it's been a consistent source of inspiration in the business. It became uh, real in a very different way when when my daughter was born two years ago, or a year and uh, a year and ten months ago. In that, uh, you know, our membership base is about ninety percent women. Um, it's a lot of moms, and I'm obviously not a woman. And at the time, I wasn't a parent. And uh, I'll never fully understand what it's like to be a mom specifically, but being a parent has totally you know, transformed my connection to our mission and to just what it means to, to provide the best for your child. Um, so it's, it's redoubled my commitment to making that possible for anyone, regardless of their income, regardless of where they live, regardless of whether they've had the time or the uh, experience or educational background to really become researched themselves on the, the best the best way to get healthy to really make it easy for anyone. So that's been one major impact. And then you know in terms of the way that the way that it's affected my parenting, um, you know my daughter's less than two years old, so I'm not exactly uh, teaching her yet uh, how to how to eat healthy. but you know it's I've gotten to see firsthand how much easier it is when I have one place that I can go to and trust, um, even as someone who knows a lot about, uh, these different topics and is is you know pretty discerning and has the time and, and the kind of industry background to to do all all the work. Um, you know when I go into Whole Foods or I go into in Venice we have Air One. Um, like it's it's I'm like a kid in a candy shop in some sense, but it's also intimidating and can be overwhelming. So it's just been a reminder that um, you know of why it's so important to make this easy. Um, you know the amount of time that it takes to just be a competent parent. I would say I'm a competent parent, but it's really hard to uh, even get to that place and um, to have on top of it trying to shop from a bunch of different places and budget out for how you're going to make kind of the the monthly bills work, buying high quality products and keep up with the latest food trends. Um, it's just it's a it's a huge amount, and so um, it's it's made the whole mission and the whole the whole uh, business much more personal for me. 
I love that. And as we get close to wrapping up, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, as someone so involved in this movement, where you see the future of real food and natural health products in the next couple of years, and specifically um, any goals that you guys may have in the next few years. Wow, that's a big question. Um, I could spend another hour talking about that. I think that the single most important movement happening in capitalism today, and maybe in the history of capitalism since it started is conscious consumption. It is consumers really waking up and taking that more holistic approach to the way that they consume. And I think part of this is we just are, we're such a consumer saturated society at this point that consumption is just a huge portion of what we do. Um, and we are meaning creating the uh, creatures. We want to be fulfilled. We think about our identity. And I think people are starting to do that with the way they consume. And I think as people become more conscious and want what they consume to reflect their values and, you know, use educational resources online, really take their, um, their knowledge into their own, uh, into their own hands and their health into their own hands. I think you're going to have just more and more and more people who, um, who you could properly term conscious consumers. And that is the single biggest opportunity that we have for our business is to be the community for conscious consumers. I think it's the single biggest opportunity that we have to reshape the economy and push other businesses to do the right thing. And I think it's an opportunity in basically every single area for us just to continue through like as consumers to push businesses and industry and innovation to happen at a more accelerated pace to solve some of the biggest problems that we have. You know, for us, those two have to do with the environment and health food access. You know, we, there's been some real improvements over the last few years um, that I spoke to earlier, but the reality is we still have uh, tens of millions of people in this country that are dealing with severe metabolic syndromes that are the result of diet. You know, we have hundreds of millions who are eating a diet that is um, you know, basically not real food. And on the, on the environmental sustainability side, I really believe we are at an inflection point where we can go, we can turn it around or we can really mess things up um, for you know, the future of our planet, our climate, and, and our kids. So the stakes are really, really high, but I think consumers are waking up in a way that they um, haven't before. And that awakening consciousness, I think, is happening exponentially. Like We see it every single day. And so I think the opportunity is as consumers become more aware. Uh, and by the way, I think like Wellness Mama, your like your site, Katie, is the is is a really great example of a place that consumers can take their their health and their awareness into their own hands and get amazing educational resources and knowledge, um, you know, at, at, a, at a level of access that wasn't possible ten or fifteen years ago. Um, so as that happens, I think there's just a huge opportunity for for us as consumers to push the envelope. So the, the things that we're really thinking about are how do we expand into new categories that we haven't done before um, and push the envelope there. The areas like meat and seafood, which we launched last year uh, and now have you know organic grass-fed um, beef sourced from Patagonia, um, regenerative pork um, that is sourced from one of the kind of leading regenerative farms uh, in, in the U.S., um, how can we push the, the envelope on standards, right? I, I just mentioned regenerative, but that's a perfect example, right? Organic now, you know, there's, there's brands and, and products that technically meet organic standards, but arguably organic's not enough 
to undo some of the uh, the soil degradation that's happened in much of this country. So how do we push standards like regenerative um, and encourage people to go even a step further? I think those are the types of things that we get really, really excited about. And when we look at the kinds of brands that we're going to work with and the innovation that we're going to do in our own uh, catalog, you know, other new categories, one, one that's really exciting to us is frozen, right? There's a huge problem right now with food waste. And the typical way to avoid food waste has been putting preservatives into products. Uh, it turns out if you freeze product, you actually preserve its freshness, prevent nutritional de- uh, degradation, and have a really simple preservation tool that, um, that is, is healthy um, and prevents food waste. So we're really going to lean into not only the meat and seafood side, but more frozen food. So just kind of running, I think everything through that lens has been um, really impact- impactful for me. Uh, so far, and as I look out for the next two, three, four, five years, um, and trying to become, you know, really the platform for healthy living and the platform for conscious consumers, it's you know being that place that's just raising the standards further and further as uh, as consumers raise their standards further and further. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, and I love that there are companies like Thrive that are doing this on such a large scale. And I'm also so grateful for people like our listeners today who are doing this in their own families. And I think like we've mentioned a couple of times, the combination of those two, I think is the best hope we have for reversing a lot of these problems that have become so widespread. So I'm so grateful for you. And I know um, for anyone listening, if you're not already a member of Thrive, you guys can go to thrivemarket.com forward slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, and save 25% on your first order. And if you're already a member, you can log in there and get access to um, free gifts with purchase on certain days and all kinds of other incentives. So um, if you guys are not familiar, definitely check it out. And Nick, a kind of selfish, self-serving last question. I would love to know if there are any book, like book or books that have really changed your life. And if so, what they are. I'm always on the hunt for new books. Oh, that's a great one. One book that I uh, geek out on is called Principles. And it's written by a guy named Ray Dalio, uh, who's a, of all things, a hedge fund investor. And what I like about that book is he talks about turning life into a game where you're learning and identifying the rules and you know, learning new principles for how to, how to get what you want in the world. Um, and I found that to be a really valuable framework for entrepreneurship. Um, another book that is really impactful for me, ironically, is John Mackey's uh, Conscious Capitalism. So John is the founder of Whole Foods. And that was the first book that Gennar and I, uh, Gennar is my co-founder, read together. And his vision of a stakeholder-driven business, and I think Whole Foods was really a pioneer on this, um, has been a total inspiration for us. And you know, not just being the customer-centric business the way that, say, Amazon is, uh, but thinking about our customers, our vendors, our suppliers, our partners, our employees, the workers in our supply chain, um, really being a stakeholder-driven stakeholder-driven business has been super impactful for me. So um, those would be two. Awesome. And I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes along with the link for you guys to check out Thrive and get a discount. But Nick, I know how busy you are and truly honored that you would spend an hour with us today and shine light on all of the things that people may not have known that Thrive's doing to create good in the world. So thank you for your efforts and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Katie. This was really, really fun. And um, you know, again, as you said, thank you to the listeners out there who are taking their health into their own hands and Uh, and voting with their dollars for creating more good in the world. Thanks.
Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys for that and for sharing your most valuable asset of your time with us today. We don't take that lightly. We're grateful for you. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.